Ah, greetings. Care for a story? One of heroes and villains? Of swords and sorcery? Of romance and treachery? We'll pull up a chair and have a listen. Welcome to the RPG Show, revisiting past games so you don't have to. I'm Brent, I'll be your host this afternoon, and with today, I have two guys with me. Uh, I have the guys, you know, from last time. We have the guy with all the charm and charisma of a bridge troll on prom night. Glenn, how are you doing this afternoon? Not too bad. Everything going good? Like, pretty good? Yeah, remodeling my bridge. Oh, that sounds interesting. Uh, and also, we have that intrepid adventurer who decided to ask the bridge troll to prom. Nick, how are you doing? Um, feeling kind of dejected. Um, was rejected, you know. <clears throat> Didn't really meet the troll's specifications. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm doing as best I can. It's an emotional time for everyone. I, prom night's hard. It's hard. I mean, you, you hope to go, you hope to get laid, really, and then the bridge troll doesn't put out. You know, you expect, you answered the riddle. And it just didn't put out. It's unfortunate. I know, and I brought protection and everything, too. That's an interesting question. What sort of protection do you bring to have sex with a bridge troll? Like, anything particular? Has it got to be, like, lambskin? Or what is it? Was it lamb intestine they use in weird places? Oh, I just brought your dick. Oh, you just brought my dick. That's great. I appreciate it. At least somebody's using it. Um, All right, so, like I said last time, not every show is going to be a review show. Uh, it takes some time to beat some of these games, and we're working currently on uh, Ease 1 and 2. Uh, I think most of us have pretty much cleared the first game out, but we want to review the two of them kind of as a pair. They're always together, so we might as well keep it that way. Uh, what's what's everybody's progress looking like on that? Is it pretty much everybody's done with the first game, like a couple dungeon or two into the second one? I'm about to start the second one. Okay, what about uh, you, Nick? I'm failing repeatedly on the first boss on the second one because I'm retarded. Oh, you are a glutton for punishment. You're like, what's the hardest difficulty I can click? So, Well, I don't know. That's my kind of thing. But uh, I'm not going to go into it yet. I'm not going to go into it yet. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Uh, well, today we're going to talk about, we're sort of going to introduce ourselves and sort of our history with RPGs and how, you know, we got to really be fans of the genre and we'll also sort of talk about where we think things stand now because we do like to go back and revisit a lot of old games fill in that sort of that gap of games we didn't play that were released before especially for myself and for replay value for others and why is that why do we go back and play these games instead of playing what's coming out well but um like I said before, uh, my name is Brent. I've been playing RPGs for a long time. My first RPG was actually probably Final Fantasy VII. Like I think that's where I started because I didn't really get video games as a thing in the house until I was much older. And it was probably 
middle school, late middle school, early high school when my parents finally got me like a PlayStation 1 for Christmas because I'd been playing it at like a cousin's house and he had a bunch of games, one of which was Final Fantasy 7. And I will tell you, I beat through Shinra headquarters like so many goddamn times because the, the cheap bastard wouldn't let me use his memory card. So, But um, that was my introduction to like, before that was all, you know, Super Mario Brothers, like some Contra, some fighting games. Like I had games to play, and you know there was a Nintendo that showed up at the house every so often. We didn't really own it. It was I think it was, I think it was my older brothers, and he didn't really live with us, so he came and came and went. And whenever he was over, he had like that and a Genesis, and we played stuff like tons of old games that way. And eventually, I uh, gained ownership of those as well. And basically, what happened was like I'm. I'm playing this game and I say it's it's telling me a story like I want to know the end of the story right like it, that was new to me like it's not just a level gets harder or, you know you get a new sword or something and you can go further than you did before now it's there's a narrative and you want to know the end of the narrative and as soon as I finished that game I branched way out like as many titles as I as soon as I realized like that's a genre of games to play then I started just eating them up as much as I could, as much as, you know, I had money to spend because, you know, I didn't have a job at the, that point in time. And now I uh, I play as much. I mean, I do play a bit of, like, MMOs. Like, I've played, you know, I play World of Warcraft quite regularly, and uh, I was into a few others. And we'll talk about how they have affected role-playing games, especially in the past decade. Uh, but, uh who else? How about how about you, Nick? What's what's tell us about about yourself? Uh, well, I'm like I'm five nine. I've got green eyes, brown hair. Like long walks uh, on the beach. No, like I don't really like getting the sand in my toes. I don't like getting it in my vagina, but whatever. Oh, uh, the butthole's definitely where you want to go with sand, though. Anyway, <laughs> um, I've pretty much been playing games ever since I can remember anything, like a. My first memories are playing like actually Friday the Thirteenth on Nintendo at my grandparents' house. Good so, choice. That was a pretty rad game. I don't even remember how it goes. All I know is like the campers just kept getting their asses killed, and because I'm like I have no idea what I'm doing. I remember it was uh, hard. It was a hard game. It was. I mean, I probably do okay now, but as a four year old or however old I was when I was playing it, like. The, no understanding of anything, just moving your character across the screen, and then oh look, here comes Jason, and you're dead. Yeah, no, you heard once you heard that that Friday Thirteenth music, it was kind of it meant it meant you were screwed. Yeah, um, but I guess my first role playing game was probably Breath of Fire. Uh, it was either that or Illusion of Gaia. Um, like I. We didn't really get into RPGs or whatever in my house, and ex- uh, or I would, I probably would not have unless um, it was not for my dad's coworker because he's in the army and he had like dudes coming in all the time. Uh, one of these dudes just like brought over over his like some of his Super Nintendo games, and he had like Breath of Fire and Illusion of Gaia, and he let us play them while he, him and my dad were playing poker or whatever, and. So that's how I got first exposed to it, and he ended up just leaving him there for us to have. So that's those, nice of him. Yeah, he was a nice guy. Um, so those were like the first ones I played, um, and then I ended up when we got a PS One, getting Wild Arms and Final Fantasy Seven, 
and played the shit out of those games, except for Final Fantasy VII, because my brother raced the goddamn... Because, alright, so back, um, for all you new generation kids, one of the nifty features of a PS1 memory card was that it had 18 blocks, I think? 15? 15, 18 blocks. I can't remember. It's been I think it was 16, probably. because it was 16-bit, and then... Yeah. It was 16, was it? something like that? Something oh. that was like had to do with it the, was sixteen, and I think they had larger ones you could buy later. Yeah, like you could get up to like there was a thirty-two, and then you could get. I think it was either with the Game Shark or Action Max or whatever it was, Action Replay. You could get a sixty-four um, megabyte memory card. I just ended up having like ten different memory cards. That was <laughs> getting, the way. Getting stickers and writing like, "All right, this is for Konami games. This is for Enix games. This is for Square games," and like. Pretty much, that's how I did was my like organization method. But um, if there were certain games that if you had save, like your memory card was maxed out on saves, instead of like letting you choose a save to delete or something to make room for data on the memory card, this wouldn't if let you, you save. Um, well, no, it would. It would let you save. It would just like wipe the fucking memory card, and then and then put your save file on there for whatever game you're playing. So oh, wow. the game I'm talking about is Destruction Derby. So fuck you, Destruction Derby guys. You're a bunch of assholes. Cause <laughs> like I lost so much. Like I lost all my game progress because that because we only had one memory card and we all shared it. And it wasn't even my fault. It was my little brother Brandon. Um, he was playing fucking Destruction Derby. We had never saved a game on Destruction Derby because it's fucking Destruction Derby. Who cares? Like you're just you're destroying cards. Like you don't need to save any games. And he's just like, oh, what's this do or whatever? I don't remember. He just he does save and it wipes the fucking memory card, and like I didn't know what happened at the time because it just let him save. So we're like, okay, cool. And then I would go start up Final Fantasy VII and like go to disc two or wherever I was going, and I was like, my game is gone, and oh, wow. uh, I, <laughs> I was so mad, I kicked his ass. <laughs> Great feeling, isn't it? Oh, I can imagine. I remember uh, I had a situation similar to that with my younger brother where we had the Nintendo was in the house. I was playing, I think it was Super Mario Brothers 3. And for some reason, I had in my head that I wanted 100 lives before I left the first world. So I don't I don't remember, like, there was some trick you could do with, like, hitting a, a shell at the right time on a thing and you would get enough points to get you another life or whatever. I, whatever the trick was, I, I probably read it in an old Nintendo Power or something. But I remember I had somewhere around like 50 lives. And this motherfucker comes running in the room, no reason, hits the reset button on the console and takes off running. I couldn't believe it. I was so mad. Oh, Jesus. I think that was the first time I broke his nose. But then again, I'm a terrible brother. You gotta love siblings. Oh, they're the worst. All right, Glenn, how about you? Tell us a little about yourself and your uh, how you got started with RPGs. Uh... Well, I've been PC for the vast majority of my life. I'm not kidding when I say I teethed on a keyboard. Um, so I actually started off with the RTS genre, the good old Command and Conquers. Uh, my first real RPG was actually, what, Ultima 4, I believe. I didn't get into JRPGs until much, much later. Uh, early high school, I believe, ninth or 10th grade. And it was Final Fantasy X. And the funny story behind that, I actually played Kingdom Hearts first. And that introduced me to a lot of the Final Fantasy characters, which I found really, really interesting. And I had a choice. I went into Blockbuster, which still existed back then. And I had Final Fantasy VII in one hand and Final Fantasy X in the other. I didn't know which one to get. So I took him to the register. And I asked the guy, which one do you recommend? And he told me 10 because it was the newer one. 
Yeah. Oh man, he he made you choose wrong, brother. As I found out later. Um, but yeah, so I played Final hey Fantasy now. Ten. Hey now, Ten isn't bad. Uh, no, Ten is a great game, but it we as this show goes on, we will we will learn a little thing about me that I have a undying affection, like come, whether it be from nostalgia or what, but but for Final Fantasy Seven in particular, like you can't you can't convince. Like I know it has its faults, and there are bad parts of the game. I will agree. But it's just, I have too much nostalgia. It's what got me to play so many great games. Like, I wouldn't know games like Suikoden or Chrono or any of those, any of these games. I wouldn't know them if it wasn't for Final Fantasy VII. So, it was your gateway. It was my gateway. So you can't, you can't tell me, you couldn't convince me otherwise. And you'll hear, you'll hear me more fucking gush about that, that game at certain points in this show. But I'll try and keep it to a minimum. Yeah, but anyway, so I played Final Fantasy X, loved it to death, tried to get some of the other Final Fantasies. I ended up picking up nine, and that one drove me insane because played the first disc, second disc, fine, third disc, fine, start fourth disc, corrupted. So I have never officially beaten Final Fantasy IX because Ouch. good old disc was corrupted. Yep, oh, but wow. I just started moving back, tried eight, tried seven, loved them both. Um, did try 12 when it launched. It was good. Tended to drag on, but it was good. Um, tried, let's see, Legend of Mana, various other games, but I've mostly been PC for the vast majority of my life, and I still love my RTS genres to death. StarCraft, WarCraft 3 in particular was amazing. Love it. But uh, yeah, I'm mostly a Western gamer. Well, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And so RPGs, I feel like, have changed... A lot, especially since the PlayStation 1 era. Like, they sort of... I feel like they waned a little. Like, the PS2 has a lot of great RPGs. But moving into the the PlayStation 3, like, I don't think... And agree with me or disagree with me on this. Do you feel like there's as many um, titles in the genre that sort of fit to that same same niche? Well, I personally would say... In terms of JRPGs, they have mostly followed the same basic formula throughout a vast majority of their life, going all the way back to the early Final Fantasies, and they've been keeping to that pretty well, and they've started to perfect it over time, Um, whereas Western has branched out more and is picking up other genres. You get your action RPGs, you get your shooter RPGs like um, Mass Effect, things like that. Okay, how about you, Nick? What do you feel about that? Um, let, what about there being like more RPGs on the PS2? Where, like, how do you feel about the genre as it transitioned from the PS2 into the PS3? For like over the life of the PS3, like, how did you feel like the RPG sort of uh, scene changed? Um, it got way more fucking Moe and Weibo, mm-hmm. like. Like, long gone are the days of, like, like I guess, like, a traditional, like, fantasy RPG. And now it's all, like, fucking glitter and glam and you gotta have, like, fucking Moe everywhere all over your shit. If you don't have Moe characters, nobody wants to buy it. So, like, it went, from, anime. Be- it went from being, like, like a, like a niche thing. Like, if you're playing RPG games, it's kind of niche to, like, being, like kind of like offensively niche 
if that makes any sense. Well, I mean, if you look at sort of JRPGs in particular, they, they tend to follow the trends of, uh, of anime in Japan, like what the most popular, like at least deemed popular stuff is. So, I mean, we could, I, I don't know enough about the, the anime scene to say, hey, you know, this is what it is. But it, from an outsider's point of view, it sort of looks like that. If I'm, you know, I walk down the, or into a section of, of anime DVDs, like, that's all I see now is the way things look in JRPGs. And it, it sort of still feels like they're, they're going with this, uh, I guess, flawed style. I mean, if you like it, then more power to you. I just don't think it's any of our style. Yeah, it it seems to me like some of the best JRPGs that were made, at least in my personal opinion, at the same time, anime was releasing greats like the Cowboy Bebop, Ghost in the Shell. They were at their prime, at least, again, for me. Whereas now, like Nick said, they're doing a lot more of the moe and the waifu and all that, which is being reflected in the JRPGs. It's a It's like a cultural thing they're going through right now. And I like, really hope they go back. That's not to say, like, all devs are doing it. Like, you still got devs pumping out stuff like Dark Souls and Dragon's Dogma. And, like, those, are, in my opinion, are, like, my type of shit. Like, yeah, well, the funny back. thing with that, though, is they break the JRPG, like, format. They're They're a lot more Western than you generally see. I mean, I saw Dark Souls for the first time. I didn't even realize it was JRPG at first. Yeah, I'm not like I'm. I've pretty much laid to rest the old school turn-based RPG with kind of like trotting along story trope, I guess, for any JRPGs that are going to be good anymore. Like because I guess it's mainly Nis America that's publishing, I guess Atlas Two currently, like the kind of mm, modern RPGs, like JRPGs out of. And they're all like fucking sparkly, wham bam shit. Like even Persona. Like Persona used to be more serious, but now I feel like it's like high school. Like I know it's always been about high school people, but it felt more serious. Like Persona One, Persona Two. It's super it's poppy. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, eh. just looking Persona Three to Persona Four was. I mean, you go from your main. Well, spoiler alert: your main character basically dying to Persona Four with a very upbeat story. It added dark moments. But overall, very upbeat. And even the color scheme reflected that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, would you say that the the genre right now is dominated by, like, Western-style RPGs, where it's more action-based, less, less, less menu-system-driven, less turn-based sort of thing going on? And... How do you feel that affects storytelling? Do you think that's a like a boon to storytelling where it gives you more options or does it diminish from like them being having to come up with a good narrative to tell you? Well, I'd say like if you look at it, there's two ways of doing stories in RPG. Probably more, but there's the two main ways. You either have the linear or you have the branching. And like linear you get some of the old-school JRPGs where it's telling you a linear storyline. You might get a few branching points here and there, but overall, it's the same story. Mass Effect can do that. Although it has a lot of branches, it's still the same basic story. Then you get something like Skyrim, which is still very much an RPG, but, I mean, you can ignore the main campaign for the entire game if you wish. 
So, you know, I think there's still a lot of room for having the linear ones, but as of right now, it seems that the more popular ones are starting to become more open. What about you, Nick? How do you think that affects storytelling? Well, like, I don't really necessarily think action and turn-based have to be mutually exclusive to a good storytelling experience. Okay. Like, you can still have, like, I think it's all just about how whoever is developing the product, um, like, puts it out there. Um, I'm going to go back to Dark Souls because people who are playing it are like, where's the story? There's no story because there's no narrative. There's nobody leading you along. You're still kind of following a linear path. Like, there's bunch of branches you can take to pretty much break the sequencing of the game but you're most pretty much you're following a linear path in the fact that you have to ring two bells and then go to an orlando get the lore vessel go get the souls and then beat the game but with all that the only story you're getting is like from item descriptions or from like quips from npcs and you're left to pretty much figure out the narrative yourself and yet you've got games that still handhold you with a narrative. Like, uh, let's say, t- like, Tales games, because they still pump out Tales games, like, once or twice a year, or once a, once a year, every two years, whatever. And, um, like, I've bought the most recent ones that came out, but I haven't even played them, because I haven't even been interested in playing them. And I feel like that's a problem. Mm. Yeah, I know my wife's going through one of the Tales games right now. I don't know which one it is. I haven't... I haven't... Sonata. Okay, all right. But Wait, is it a Tales game? Eternal no, that's Sonata? not Tales. Oh, Eternal okay. Sonata. She had a Tales game in there that she was playing, and then she stopped playing that. I don't know. She's picked up a few, a few JRPGs that didn't even like catch my eye, to be honest. Due to that, you know, extremely poppy art style we were talking about earlier. Um, so. Glenn, you were talking about you've played a lot on the PC, okay? And one of the big trends in gaming now is indie development. And so how do we feel indie development is affecting RPGs? Like, is there a lot of good, like, indie titles out there to play now? There are quite a few. Um, Shadowrun Returns is in particular a very good one. Um, Thing with indie is it... It's very hit or miss. You get a good indie, you get a good indie. Unfortunately, you got to wade through a lot of bad ones. And, you know, it's one of those things where there are some games that have excellent gameplay mechanics. That's a great story. And then you have the reverse. And, you know, it, it's. I think it comes from having the smaller development teams, the faster go-through times, and just the smaller budget, is they have to prioritize what they want. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, there's small team, small budget, limited amount of uh, man hours to put behind it. Have you... No, I would like to point out, sorry, um, Kickstarter seems to be helping with a lot of this. Yeah, Kickstarter is a great place for people to get funding for that kind of thing. Uh, have you played any indie RPG titles, Nick? Not really. Like, I'm not really on Steam and stuff very often. Like, I'm more of a console gamer. That's fine. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I, you can go on Steam and there. there's a lot of RPG titles out there, but the thing is, I keep running into games that's like, guys, I don't think it's really cool that you, you made a game in RPG Maker and then decided to publish it on Steam. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That, you know, it is, 
it is what it is, guys. I just feel like there's there's still a market out there for people to play like a solid not full maybe not full turn based in the old school like SNES version of turn based but maybe some some active time battle you know somewhere between you know Final Fantasy 7 and 12 like some mix between the styles because you play let's we keep coming back to Final Fantasy but it seems like it's one of the few big titles left in the genre at least the way we're talking about it there's nothing wrong with your action titles you, you've got your uh your dragon age games you got you know your dark souls these are still rpgs and they're still great games and they tell great stories but we're talking about especially in the context of this show we're going back and we're playing a lot of especially jrpgs and we have a lot on the list we're looking to add some more western rpgs to that list but we're really working our way through a lot of the, the older JRPGs. You have a lot of like there Final Fantasy is still the 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 biggest title in that genre and you look at the past few installments in that franchise, you have thirteen, thirteen two and then we have upcoming fifteen and they're essentially button mashers i mean there's some strategy involved in 13 but there's it's it's about how how do i stagger the thing and that's about it yeah it, it seems like you know because one of the i can't really say complaints but one of the things with final fantasy is that it had kept the same basic mechanics over time they try and change this and it feels like they just the pendulum swung too far then does it do we feel like we've lost anything in the genre with its biggest sort of square square enix being the well, one time was you know 90 uh, percent juggernaut of the, is the, yeah is the the biggest force in that market and it was sort of like the last spearhead pushing through like keeping it relevant at least to a larger crowd and then they completely abandoned their you know their tried and true Base. methods how does how do how does that make us feel? Do we think that we've lost something or are we just waiting for the next thing that really blows us away? Um, I'd, I'd have to say personally, you know, I really do like at least attempts at trying out new things. I, I do. But at the same time, Final Fantasy worked as it was. You know, it didn't need a massive overhaul. Some extra bits and pieces, sure. Uh, like Final Fantasy Twelve, I thought had a decent combat system. But, you know, that, that's me personally. And I'd, I'd love to see 15 turn out to be absolutely amazing. And it does look very visually stunning. All of them have been. Um, but, we'll, you know, we'll see. Time will tell. Well, they've um, one of the developers on the team, or I don't know if he was on the team, but he's one of the, the big heads over at uh, Square, was basically saying that it's, it's another, you can essentially button mash your way through that game. And that 16... The, the following installment in the franchise would be a return to classic Final Fantasy. But how many times have we heard them say that? Yeah. Um, so, I talked earlier about MMOs. Like, I've, I've played a few. You know, World of Warcraft, Age of Conan, the Star Wars, both 
iterations of the Star Wars MMO, Final Fantasy fourteen. How do we do we think that's affected the way that RPGs are developed or like especially developers that would invest in a single player experience and a narrative perhaps decided to try and cash in on that that cash cow that is the MMO market? I mean, I, I mean, I'd I'd like to point out that that's basically the older public right there is an attempt to bring that single player RPG experience into the MMO. Did they succeed? Did they not? I I rather liked it. You know, it was good. Um, but you know, it, it's 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 one of those subjective things. Well, this this is a show on subjectivity, so you know, go into it all all you want. How do you feel about it, Nick? Um, well, when I played MMOs, like, really religiously was way back early 2000s when it was mostly, like, Korean stuff coming out, and if you ever played a Korean MMO, you know it's grind, 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 grind some more. So, that was, like, my experience with an MMO, and then, like, kind of... It was kind of jarring to go into something that was, like, it went from like a group experience, um, and playing an MMO, um, playing an MMO to being like a solo experience with the option of grouping with people for stuff, and like, mm, it felt kind of weird. So like, I'm not really a big fan of modern MMOs at all. Like, I played 14 for like a couple months on and off, and I've tried WoW. I just can't get into WoW, but. I don't know, like, eh. But as for their like impact on like people, like people developing RPGs, I'm not so. Like, I really got no opinion on it because I have, like, it really, like, really, I don't care. I don't keep track of that stuff. Okay. So, let's um, let's talk about gameplay. Okay, we have. When we talk about newer RPGs and their their openness, you have a lot of decision making, a lot of choices. But ultimately, does the gameplay still feel the same at the end? So you take, let's use Skyrim as an example. We can use other examples when we move further on. But you make plenty of choices on how to customize your character and what you're going to do. But to me, at least from the start of the game to the time I ended the game, it felt like I was doing the same thing the same ability just got power, more powerful. Uh, it didn't necessarily alter the way I play the game in any meaningful way. Do either of you feel the same way when it comes to games now where it's, I would say, fairly action-based and they, they allow you to customize your characters, but it doesn't. I don't feel like most of those choices have a meaningful effect on gameplay other than things die faster. Well, the thing with Skyrim that I found is it, it depended on how you play would affect it. Like, melee classes in general, yeah, like you said, you get a better weapon, things die faster. You get a few extra abilities here and there as you go up the skill tree, but generally speaking, that's how it goes. Magic, on the other hand, did feel quite different as you leveled up. You start with a basic, like, flamethrower spell, which is very short range. Then you move on to the, you know, direct attack, then you get your area attacks, then you get your flame wall spells... And you move up to the massive explosion ones. And it did have a distinct you know, effect on how it played. Was it balanced correctly? Eh. But 
Um, then you run into some other games, like even going back to some of the older ones, uh, Arcanum of Steamworks and Magic Obscura was a relatively open world game. And that one did feel a little bit different. You know, you pick up your different weapon types, you know, an axe might be better for chopping down a golem, whereas a sword might be better for going up against a bandit. Or, you know, your elf might use a bow better than they can use a gun. And then your technology had an effect. It, it, it can, an open world can have a lot of difference. It just depends on how they develop it. Well, I mean, in development, do we feel like that we've moved from trying to make gameplay feel different and interesting to, to being a more visceral visual experience? Well, that I'll agree on. Um, a lot more development time and money is put onto the graphics and the presentation over gameplay. I mean, that's 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 been pretty distinct from the last couple games. But, you know, because back then you had a kind of a limit on how far you could go with graphics whereas now you can get pretty high up but it takes a lot more resources how about you nick how do you feel about that um uh like i don't know i feel like gameplay in most games really doesn't change like what you get at the beginning of a game is going to be pretty much what you're getting at the end of the game Minus a few nuances, like maybe you get like a new type of a new weapon type that allows you to do an attack differently. But like even old school RPGs, you start off the game, you don't have any abilities, you're just attacking. You get some abilities, you use some abilities, but it's just the same thing, just to like to the nth degree by the end of the game. Well, I feel like at least in some of the older games, you have an nth degree. Like you're you're progressing your character, so now in addition to your attack, you have an attack that. Uh, you can use a limited number of times that does more damage then you have one that uses more resources but hits more targets so do you want to focus more on hitting with the melee you hit melee then do spell then do this or like then you get into games like final fantasy tactics or any tactics game where each choice you make affects how you play that game in combat and even some of the old squad based games i feel like as the game progresses, you do get more techniques to use in, in combat that can change party composition, the the way you use things like you you know, towards the game the end of the game you might even not be using your basic melee attack anymore. You're you know, you're you're chaining spells or for increased damage or whatever whatever has it. Like the uh the magic system in the chrono was it chrono cross that had the, the magic field. And you you know you're affecting damage done on the field and that sort of that sort of method and you get spells that affect the field in multiple ways so you're trying to chain those characters together to follow up with a powerful you know element based attack like there's it feels like there were more systems available that as the game progressed the gameplay opened up instead of still being on this narrow track. I guess I can like kind of agree with that, but I. I would still say it's more like a bell curve. Like as you're working your way through the game, your options increase, 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 and you kind of hit that climax or like that maximum potential, where you you have a good access to a bunch of different like options maybe, but then you quickly get rid of most of them and go just for the best. Like because why would you want why would why would you even waste your resources on this little piddly attack that can hit a bunch of dudes when you could just nuke the shit out of one of them or a couple of them and call it a day. So, like, I, 
I guess you don't really like it really doesn't change in my opinion like no matter what game you're playing like if you're playing like an action RPG like you'll have like weak attacks you'll get kind of a good repertoire but then you find either the best quote unquote attacks or attack style or you just find something that works for you the best and you just pretty much stick with it in most games there's, you'll be I guess hard pressed to find a game that requires you at all points of the gameplay to effectively have to use all the different options that you've been given. Okay. Well, I think that would actually make a good RPG thing is, you know, what might be the best now might not be the best in a little bit. And I'm not talking straight stat changes. You know, you might have an entire dungeon, for instance, where melee is your best option. And you might have another where you're going to need to start using more advanced magics. And this one needs you to use guns and et cetera, et cetera instead of just being straight stat increases. Well, some games try to combat that by, like, having monsters, like, immune to physical attacks in whatever dungeon. Like, Shin Megami Tensai 4 was... I had something like that. I haven't played it. I've got it still fucking sealed on my shelf. But apparently, from what um, I heard from other people, is like, even the first dungeon, you had to... Like, you would die a bunch of times until you, you learned what you actually had to do for each individual creature that was in that dungeon like one monster might be weak to lightning attacks and then in that same battle you'll have a monster that's weak to ice attacks but they're both like colored yellow or some bullshit so you don't know until you until you use the attack that they're weak to and you learn but by that time you're dead and you gotta start all over again Shimagami Tensei 3 Nocturne did that a lot too um where each enemy would have like a specific way and bosses in particular were like running into brick walls because you had to figure out exactly what to do at exactly the right time. And if you didn't, you died. You went back to the last save. Try it again. Okay. I mean, I appreciate that kind of experience, but at the same time, I understand why they wouldn't want to have that. It's going to be... I I guess it all comes down to the casual versus hardcore debate. That you know that kind of raises ugly head every so often, because like you want like devs obviously want to sell more copies of a game, so they got to make it open enough for more people to play it. But at the same time, they risk alienating the fans of like any previous installments by changing the way the game plays or its accessibility in in some way. So I guess that like harkens back to how we were talking about Final Fantasy. Uh, went from t- turn-based strategy to like kind of action RPG now because that's just the way things are going in mainstream and they're mainstream titles so they got to get all that money they can get. Okay. Like there's still turn-based games coming out but most of it's indie. Like you don't see any AAA turn-based games because I guess I would say why would you want why would they they might be thinking, why would we waste resources on a turn-based game when we have all this stuff we can do, like, in an action game? Mm-hmm. It's also a risk versus world. I mean, they're seeing the action games selling a lot, so they want to make their own action game to sell a lot and make more money. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, they have to make smart market choices. And if anyone listening knows of a... They have recommendations for newer games to play that would sort of change how we feel on the subject... Please send us an email, podcast at the com. Like, I would love to read any suggestions you have on games to play. Um, well, I was thinking of, like, I saw Pure Solar or something, which I guess was originally, it's like a, a 
a game that came out in like the last five years or something, but they I guess they designed it for the Mega Drive and then reworked it so it was on uh, like Steam and then like came out on the PSN store. I'm not sure if it's on Xbox Live stuff, but it's like a it looks like from screenshots kind of like Lunar mm-hmm. in combat system. So I was like, that looks cool, but I haven't actually checked it out yet. Okay. Yeah, there's I I also have quite the list of games that I want to check out. Uh, it's just you know time's a thing but with with uh open worldness becoming more in favor where you know we have these massive worlds to explore don't get me wrong i love just having openness like you you can go explore basically anywhere until you you know run into the wrong cave and a you know super hulked out bear like rips your anus out through your eye hole then like, do we do we think that they're trying to reach a level of sort of choice similar to what you experience in in tabletop gaming? Is that sort of like their end goal is for it to be closer to a tabletop experience minus the, you know, all the other stigma that comes around a tabletop RPG? Uh, I mean, I'd have to say yes. Um, I mean, honestly, some of the open worlds probably started out that way. Uh, I believe Elder Scrolls Arena was originally an arena-based combat game that got updated when the development team started playing tabletops. I could be wrong on that. That was just a story I heard sitting around. But it does seem to be going that way, or at least trying to reach that. How do you feel about that, Nick? Um, I mean, I guess it's possible. Like, I'm not really a fan of open world games per se. Like, not that I like being handheld, but I like a little bit more direction. Of, well, like, I like an I, I enjoy a narrative. Oh, me I guess too. that's really all it is. Like, Skyrim, it wasn't. I I thought it was a, a good game. Like, it wasn't my game of the year when it came out. That actually, I think I can't remember which one that would have been in my opinion because it's been like fucking three, four years or whatever, right? But yeah. Um, like, my problem is, is, like, I lack drive, I guess, so I like a narrative so that I can kind of have a goal, because if I'm left my own devices, I just kind of get uninterested and just like, well, I just killed another cave full of bears, yetis, and skeletons, well, that was fun, I'm actually going to go do something that sparks my interest now. There is is something to be said about a narrative that it's not necessarily the the gameplay in the world that's drawing you in, but like I said about my first introduction into RPGs and the storytelling aspect of it, it was, I, I, I want to know the end of the story. Like, you start reading a good book, it's not about, you know, that you want to be reading. You want to know how the story ends. It's not the, the act that's interesting you, interesting you, it's the, the narrative in the book that's interesting you. I would agree completely. Now, there are games where the gameplay is... In my like, in my opinion, like so stellar that even the lack of a good narrative, like it's not, it's really not, a, it's a, not a de- determining factor for me anymore. And I will just play the shit out of the game, Super despite. Boy. Oh fuck, Super Meat Boy! All right, now let's like go. I like like card games, but Jesus Christ! All right, all right, but it's a platformer. We're not really talking about platformers. So. No, we're not talking about platformers. How do we feel? Um. 
about difficulty in RPGs? Do we feel like we've gotten back to a decent difficulty level in RPGs? Because we go back to really old RPGs. We're you know like we're playing through these games right now, and they give you no idea what the fuck you're supposed to do. And some of those fights, some of those boss fights, fights are a pain in the ass. Like they're no joke. And then you get through the PS1, PS2 era games, and I didn't feel like any of those had any real difficulty to them. There were challenging encounters. There are a few points in each game that are challenging. Final Fantasy VIII, if you play it wrong, can be really hard. But at the same time, if you just play the game without leveling, it's the easiest thing you'll ever do. So do we feel like we've returned to form with games like Dark Souls, where the challenge level's there, or is that the shining sort of example in a field of, you know, casual mush. Well, one thing I like that some of the older um, RPGs did is like Final Fantasy X for you. It says, well, it's super easy if you just want to do the main story, but when you start branching out and doing some of the side content, you want the best stuff possible, it got a lot harder. Um, trying to find all of the crests, trying to find the legendary weapons, trying to complete the arena thing, it, it did get very difficult. And some games still do that. You know, if you just want to do the main story, easy peasy. You want to do the extra content, hold on to your butt. Is that is that where we feel the, that the difficulty should be? Like, if we want to just go through the main narrative, it should be, you know, of a decent balance difficulty. But the for the, the real challenge seekers, there should be those super ultimate bosses, super ultimate dungeons to go into that will give them a run for their money? Is that where we think that that content should lie, or should it be part of the, the main story, like, so that beating and completing the main story is, an, is, in fact, an accomplishment? But, you know, then again, that is very subjective. What's an accomplishment to me might not be an accomplishment for Nick. You know, it's like, that might have been hard for me. But for him, it's like, ah, fuck it, it's whatever, man. It's whatever. I, I personally like that style, because this, this means that you have your story open to pretty much everyone. But then for those people who really do want the challenge, it gives them, you know, actual rewards. They get the ultimate weapon. They beat the hardest boss. And they get something that lets them just, you know, final boss of the game, one-shotted. It gives them that sense of power for having beaten the hardest content that they can throw at you. Well, I would I would say the issue with that, though, is grabbing those kinds of pe- people's attention throughout the whole experience before they can reach the content that they actually enjoy the most. Because if you run a risk of for people that enjoy not being trivialized in their like their gameplay, like if they're playing like a twenty hour like storyline and they get like halfway through and they're like, Alright, this is piss easy, what am I wasting my time with? And the they're not grabbed by the narrative at that point, then more often than not they'd probably like, Alright, I'm done, I'm gonna go play something else. Well, if a person's playing a, a RPG or a story driven game, do we f- and they're not grabbed by the narrative, or are they perhaps playing the wrong game anyway? Like, isn't that the purpose for most people? Like, I don't know too many people that sit down to play RPGs for the challenge of it. Well, yeah. some people like grinding. And in some games, you have to grind to beat shit. So, there, I mean, there's nothing to beat. Like, I, I like some grinding in my RPGs. Like, I have no problem with getting to a new place or new area and saying, hold up. These fuckers are way too strong. Let me go, you know, kill some guys for, you know, I don't want to spend an hour or two hours doing it, but, you know, let me go, you know, win 10, 10, 12 battles and then come back. I'm fine with that. But when we talk about really old school, like, 
like uh which one which final fantasy is it where you go to the moon is that four or three four i think whichever one that is all i, I remember think that's one with like cecil right yes the lunar whale yeah well whatever you get to the moon and all i remember was i, I didn't beat past that part because i got to the moon and that shit was so hard and there was no real way like you had to go back and you you had to grind for a very long time in that game repetitively to get anywhere and i like that's me gets boring because then you're not doing anything except you know i found the best way to get to the abilities i want to hit with it with paying the least amount of attention you know i'll you know have something going on somewhere else and i'm just off to the side pressing that button combination that's not fun that's not playing a game yeah video games should not feel like work you should not feel like you are mindlessly doing some task to get to the good part it should be good as much as they can do it yeah i agree with that all right so we've basically said a lot about how we feel about rpgs in general now part of what we're doing here in in addition to trying like make this comprehensive list for ourselves about you know how we feel about uh past games past rpgs in particular and a lot of it is also learning and filling in those gaps in our knowledge about games like you know glenn said he never beat final fantasy 9 you know i've never played the lunar games i've heard they're fantastic you know stuff like that we want to fill in gaps in our knowledge and so our perspective on what makes things good or bad very well may change the course of us doing this show so right now, I want to get sort of a baseline from each of it, each of you. Um, what are your top three RPGs that you've played? There's just three. I'm not asking for five or ten of them. Just three, and a brief sort of description why. Um, I'll let I'll let Glenn go first. Uh, top one, I'm probably gonna have to rate a seven, uh, Final Fantasy seven, because of the story hands down like gameplay was great story was amazing i remember beating that game just setting down my controller and staring at the screen and then right behind that final fantasy 10 for a very similar reason you know it had the very good story that just dragged you in and not not maybe not quite to the degree of seven i saw a lot of plot holes um but still very good like i really like the stories of those two games and then uh for my third I'm probably stretching it a bit, but I'm going to run with the Mass Effect series just because I like that it was still very much an RPG, maybe not so much too, but the other is very much an RPG, but with enhanced... It's pulling from other genres, and I really like it when developers do that. They take the best parts of the various genres and they blend it into their own unique style. Okay, all right, all right. What about you, Nick? This is the worst question you could have asked. I, I knew you were going to have problems with it from the minute I asked it, but that's that's what I'm doing. Get used to it. Like, I can't pick. Like, I've never been able to pick it. Like, even not even a top ten list of games. So, I will give you my top... I guess I'll try to do my top three series, if that's going to be I, I will allow top three series, because you're just, you know, neurotic that way. Okay, so, hands down, number one, tweak it in. Like, I don't care who you are. If you plan on playing RPGs and enjoying RPGs... You need to play the Suikoden games because they, well, I'm not going to be like blanket statement, they're all masterpieces, but vast majority of them 
fantastic games. Like Suikoden 2 especially, the best RPG ever made, hands down. Music, the characters, the narrative, the gameplay. There's like there's like three different games in that game. Like you've got like the regular like run around role playing bullshit, like you've got your turn based battles, then you got like the war shit. Then like there's mini games galore. Like what more would you want from this game? And then you got like pretty much uh like a scavenger hunt, finding all hundred and eight members of the army of Stars of Destiny to recruit and getting your secret ending at the end of the game. And then if you transfer data over from Suikoden 1, you get a secret character. Come on. Ah. Gotta sing its praises. I love Suikoden. Gotta recruit them all. It's like Pokemon before Pokemon. But um, second would be Valkyrie Profile. Like, number two, kind of eh. And like the handheld game, Covenant in the Plume, was a tactical RPG. So, I mean, that was okay. Hard as balls. And AI is broken. But the first game was one of my favorite games on the PlayStation 1. Um, There's a composer, Matoi Sakuraba. If you don't like Matoi Sakuraba, you can go suck a bag of dicks because my favorite video game composer of all time. Then Trace, at that time, was my favorite game dev. Like They, pump, they were pumping out shit like uh, Star Ocean, um, which I also played the crap out of. So, um, And then just like, I liked the narrative of Valkyrie Profile a lot. Like The story really got me, and the fact that um, the game changed depending on what difficulty you're playing. Like if you played on easy or normal, you kind of got a base game. But if you played on a hard, you got like the full experience. But it, but even that was missing something. Like you didn't get some dungeons that were in normal and hard, but you were able to access some of the harder content. And yeah, I think you had to get like these seven flame gems or some bullshit to get some extra dungeons in the game. Oh no, it was to the end game, like they even had shit for the in the hard mode. You had to play hard mode to get to unlock stuff content at the end game because the end game was fuck. I can't remember what it's called, but it was pretty much once you beat the game, you load up your save and you're in like, or you, no, it was from the main menu. You can choose to go into this thing, and from there it's pretty much just like a long dungeon you have to fight through, and you use these flame gems to open up like locked doors so like you might get like bonus characters like some bosses you fought during the main game you would unlock them you unlock like ultimate weapons kind of thing and you get to the end and you fight um fuck 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 uh Azeria Queen I think is who it is and she's like the big end game boss in every single like or hidden boss in every single Tritis game so whatever great game so like uh they're so close like they're so tied and then I guess for three I'm going to do four, because I like Breath of Fire, the series, and then I like Wild Arms, the series. Mm, because. <laughs> look, man. Look. Okay, I know you're all fucking laughing, but that's it. Like, that's my, pretty much just like my childhood right there. So, like, my those are my favorite RPGs. And you notice I'm omitting Final Fantasy, because I never really got the Final Fantasy bite that everybody else got. Like, I played Final Fantasy VII. I enjoyed it as much as I played it before all my shit got erased. But, like, I would try to play it again, and I wouldn't be able to get to the same part I got before because it kind of just fell flat to me. And then, like, I got eight, and like, I played, like, half through the first disc, and I was like, this game sucks ass. I almost beat nine. I almost beat nine, but I just stopped playing for whatever reason. Um, almost beat ten. Like, I haven't beat a Final Fantasy game. The only Final Fantasy game I've ever beaten is Final Fantasy Tactics. And that's... I would actually... That's uh, that's going on the list too. That's getting added on there. 
So thanks, thanks for leaving me plenty of room, Nick. Thanks, I appreciate it. Look, but, I told you not to ask that question. All right, now we've gone over Nick's top twenty. Uh, mine, I'd have to say, uh, number three would probably be Final Fantasy Tactics because it's great. If you haven't played Final Fantasy Tactics, then what's wrong with you? Like, just there's two. You got War of the Lions, and you've got the the PS1 version on the PSN. Just go buy it. It's worth whatever they're charging for it. I don't care if they're charging $72. You go pay $72. You play that game right now. You won't regret it. Uh, number two, I am going to pick a Sogeating game, and it's probably going to be everyone's least favorite title in the series, but I really like Sogeating 4, man. The boat and everything was just great. Like You got the Rune of Punishment's probably the best like greater rune or true rune in the series. Um, the story was great. I don't know. I, it was. It was probably. It was my introduction to the Soy Kingdom game. So, like, I don't know. I just really enjoy it. And the first one, it's you know, it's gonna be Final Fantasy Seven. We don't really have to go over it. You know, like I said, it's my gateway. I wouldn't have experienced any of these other games without it. I probably should throw Chrono Trigger in that list because that's also an excellent game. But I'm not gonna pull a Nick and you know go twenty games deep. I just wanted a general idea, and we got it. But um, looks like we're running out of time here. Does anybody have anything they'd like to add about how they feel about RPGs right now as it stands? Well, I will say, I guess I feel like Western RPGs are the dominant force in RPGs right now, as opposed to like traditional like JRPGs or whatever. Um, and that if they don't start borrowing more heavily, I guess, from... Like, I feel like there should be, like, a melding of the influences. I feel like that should be the optimal way to go. And there's a lot of Japanese devs already kind of doing that. And you got, like, Western devs that are not necessarily in, like, taking influence from, like, JRPGs, more, like, doing homages to them, Um, which I guess is kind of the same thing, but... eh. So I feel like... If that would probably be the preferred way to go into the future. Of course, you still have people like doing old school. Like at that at that point in time, it would be old school. Like just turn up turn based RPGs or like old school Western RPGs or whatever. Like they still have their niches, but I feel like that's probably the way, the best way to go. Yeah. No, I I I think I agree with you. Like there's there's a sweet middle ground that is yet to be found between the two styles. You know, like. Bring the the Western RPG sort of bam visual like you know visceral aspect of you know how the game just feels to play like you know even as simple a game as you know we kept going back to Skyrim even though that's a five year old game like it's not necessarily current or relevant but just how the game plays just the whole polish of the thing and then throw that with you know, both Western and uh, JRPGs, they have a great... There are people working in those fields that have great senses of storytelling. Come together, give me an excellent story. I know anybody can do it. And then, like, throw in that, you know, attention to complexity and gameplay that we used to get from JRPGs, especially, like, PS1-era titles. Like, there's no argument to be made that there wasn't like a deep complex sort of 
way to build and do characters in those games. Like they may not, you may look at it face on and go, there's not a whole lot of customization on there, but it was frequently extremely deep, like, and relatively open as far as I'm concerned, you know, take the job system from final fantasy games or, you know, um, the rune system from soak it in. You got the, uh, well, what did they call it in the chrono games? I forget what Were they capsule capsule system? Like, uh, the way the parties in Zoukinen worked, like there was all these layers to what seemed like a pretty simple thing up front that gave these games depth and replayability in my book. Like you know, you may replay or re- you may reread a book, um, but these gave me a different way to experience that 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 story. Any any arguments there, anybody? Oh no, no, that that's one of the things I've always liked about video games is you know, you read a book, it plays out identical every time. You play a game, there's always going to be differences every time. There's always going to be a different point that you're just going to sit back and remember. All right. Well, uh we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. If anyone out there listening likes the show, would like to contribute to the discussion, please send us an email. That email again is podcast at com. You can comment on any of our shows there on our website. Please subscribe, rate, review us on iTunes. That really helps us out if you guys leave a review and a rating there. I would really appreciate it. And again, just join in on the discussion. We want to hear from you guys. We know there's at least you know a handful of you out there listening, and we'd really want to hear from you. You know, we you know we would like to talk to you about what you're doing, what you're playing uh, in RPGs, what RPGs you like, what you like to see in these games. So just send us an email. If it's particularly good, we will read it on the show and talk about it. You could also just let us know what you're wearing. That'd be fine too. Well, you can let Nick know what you're wearing. Just put uh, Nick in the subject uh, line of that email at podcast at rpgshow.com, and I will forward that right to him so he can get all of your dirty dick pics. Fantastic. Sounds good to me. All right, everybody. Say bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Later.